Okay, my friends. I'm not here to disappoint, but uh, Pastor Rojas has left me in charge of of, um, of the conclusion of the second table of the law. Actually, we're going to finish with the third command on the first table and then uh, conclude with the remaining commandments. But before we begin, uh, we open with prayer. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as, as we have received your word of truth, uh, that we have inwardly digested that word uh, in, in, uh, in worship, uh, may, that, uh, may that word produce in us good fruit that would be pleasing in your sight. Guide us by your Holy Spirit now in, uh, in this class that our hearts and our minds may be open to hear your word of truth in order that we may also share it with others. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, so um, I was actually hoping that they have the whiteboard here, but we could do it without the whiteboard. That's all right. That's all right. Um, But sometimes I like to draw. And one of the things that I I enjoy drawing are the two tables, okay? So we have table one, the first three commandments. Not that God wrote it that way, um, uh, but this is how it is explained in, in the small catechism, right? And then we have the second table. Okay, so we have commandments one, two, and three on the first table, commandments four through ten on the second table. Remember, God did not number the commandments. Okay, that was something that that we have done. We just know that there were ten of them. All right, uh, because in different churches they have, I won't say different commandments, but they've numbered them numbered them differently. Okay, um, so for example, in the Roman Catholic Church, the, there's four commandments on the first table and six on the second table, okay? Um, the additional commandment uh, in the Roman Catholic Church, the fourth commandment is you shall have, uh, make, make no graven images. But that's really connected to the first commandment, you shall have no other gods, okay? Um, and so, so the first table uh, is summarized, uh, Jesus summarizes that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and the second table is summarized as Jesus said, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what one word summarizes all the commandments? Love. Okay. Uh, and so that is something that we need to remember in all the commandments. Now, no, no, that's okay. I'll be fine. Okay. Um, uh, and then what we learn also as Pastor Rojas is teaching is not only what God commands, what God requires, uh, I'm sorry, uh, what God forbids, but also what God requires. And we actually hear that in Luther's explanation, okay? And we normally hear that what God forbids, what God commands, you shall have no other gods, right? All right. Um, And in Luther's explanation, what does God require? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And so that's how we can discern the commandment and the uh, uh, what God forbids and what God requires, what God commands, okay? Uh, we should fear, love, and trust in him above all things. And we, we hear that uh, throughout the commandments uh, in Luther's explanation. So um, the third commandment, because we've passed with Pastor Rojas uh, concluding last week's um, instruction, uh, he finished with the second commandment. Uh, I listened to it uh, last Sunday in the afternoon, I think, and then it just shut off, as it, as it always does, because it keeps on going on and on. And he tells people, I'll, I'll, I'll get your question later. Or, and I'll, I'll do the best I can in, in, in uh, seeing hands raised and calling upon you. 
But he, uh, you know, as I said earlier, he he gave me at first, you know, uh, here's uh, my note for the gospel, you know, the person and work of Jesus Christ. And there are seven pages. And then when he called me and said, well, I didn't quite get through all the and it's what I've done as a pastor. OK, I've not gotten through everything according to the timetable that I had set up. OK, especially for those in confirmation class um, or in instruction class. And uh, so I just reminded him that um, no worries, pastor, um, because even Luther, it took him 10 years to get through the book of Genesis. OK, 10 years. Um, and without a PowerPoint. Um, and so when pastor sent me the notes for the rest of the law, it was 10 pages long. So I'm going to try to try to do this without missing some important details. So the third command, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not, what? Despise preaching and his word. That's what God, uh, 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 what he forbids, right? All right. But what does he require? But to hold it sacred and to gladly hear and learn it, simply from Luther's small catechism. Now, last week, Pastor uh, Rojas uh, spoke to you about there there being three kinds of law, right? Uh, There is uh, what he called public law or civil law. Uh, There is the the, uh, ceremonial law. And then there is the moral law. Now, the moral law is identified with what? If I had the board up to show you the tables, okay, the commandments, okay? What's, where's the ceremonial law? Where does that come from? Which book of the Bible? Leviticus, okay? Um, and then the, the civil law, uh, what is that um, equal to? Government, okay? Um, and so... Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the ceremonial law regarding the third commandment. You shall have, uh, you uh, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Because there are those um, uh, so-called Christian church bodies that believe that worshiping on any other day than Saturday is a sin. Okay? Yes, I am speaking about the Seventh-day Adventist. Okay? because they believe that worshiping uh, on any other day than Saturday, why Saturday? Seventh day, okay, um, uh, is a sin. Um, but that's, that's wrong, okay? And, and uh, I, I knew a pastor in Southern Illinois who was a Seventh-day Adventist. He was a nice guy. He, you know, uh, he believed in Jesus Christ, all that kind of stuff. But you know, I showed him, as I'm going to show you now, that in Scripture, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of all days, okay? And so we have the freedom uh, to worship uh, God on any day, anywhere, at any time. But Christians, of course, we worship, uh, we worship on Sunday. Why? Because it's convenient? No, why do we worship on Sunday? Why have Christians gathered on Sunday and, and established Sunday as a day in which we worship our God and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Because that is the day that he ascended? That is the day that, that Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the new week. And the first day of the, of the week is Sunday. Okay? 
I always like to talk about the eighth day, okay? Um, perhaps you've heard me talk about, you know, the day when Palm Sunday begins, Jesus is riding on the donkey on that first day of the week, okay, which would be Sunday. And then, of course, we all know about Holy Week, uh, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, um, and then Holy Saturday, and that completes the week. Not, it doesn't complete the week, because it continues in Christ on the first day of the next week, on, on Sunday, with Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Okay? Jesus um, enters into eternity, just as you also have the promise of eternity in the water and word of holy baptism. Okay? Because what does St. Paul say in Romans 6? Do you not know that all of you have been baptized, been baptized into Christ's death and resurrection? resurrection. So we have that, that promise. Um, and it's not the promise of, of, of a man or of a council, but it is a promise of the council of God, of God himself, of Jesus Christ. He gives you that promise. Okay, so let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 2, Verses 16 and 17. Um, Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. And verse 17 concludes, uh, These are a shadow of the things to come, a shadow of the things to come, talking about Old Testament ceremonial law, okay? These are a a shadow of the things to come. And verse 17 concludes, but the substance belongs to Christ. He is the fulfillment of all these things, okay? And so the third commandment, every commandment is repeated in the New Testament except, except the third commandment. I know, it sounds strange sounds odd because and the reason why it, I mean that doesn't mean that we don't worship no we are commanded to worship okay in, in fact in Hebrews chapter uh, 10 it says we are not to neglect from gathering together as some has made the ha- habit of doing so um, but uh, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 14 one person esteems one day as better than another while another esteems all days alike Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. And so although we, uh, um, I mean, uh, back in Acts chapter 2, we hear about um, they were gathering together how often? Daily, weren't they? All right. In prayer, breaking of bread, so on and so forth. All doing things in common, the same thing. They were meeting daily because they were, uh, they were able. They had that freedom to do that, although they had to do it kind of somewhat secretly. Okay. Do we have that, that, uh, that same freedom? Well, actually we do. But are we able to meet every day? No, we don't. Okay, we do have. 
God has given us vocations, not just as father and mother, son and daughter, um, but also to earn a, a living, to pay for bills, to raise families, to gain an education, to learn, to grow. And so we don't gather together to worship every day, but that doesn't mean we should forget God every day. We should, uh, as we learn in Luther's uh, catechism, that daily, as we rise uh, from sleep, we should thank God in prayer, right? I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commit my spirit, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angels be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. And we could say prayer throughout the course of the day, even if it's as simple as, Lord, have mercy. And we should conclude our day in saying a similar prayer that Luther begins and helps us in the, in the morning. But I like the one in the evening because what do we, what do we profess in that evening prayer? I mean, you can go to, uh, into the uh, table of prayers. But the, we confess our sins. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, that you have graciously kept me this day, and I pray that you would forgive me all my sins, and uh, that you would forgive me all my sins, what I have done and thought, word, and deed, and graciously keep me this night. Okay? Uh, so we confess all the sins. We may not remember all the sins that we've committed, but we confess them. And we, who are we confessing them to? My spouse who's laying next to me? No. Confessing them to God. Uh, trusting in his mercy and that my sins without, without doubt are forgiven through Jesus Christ. Um, now, in the early church, and we spoke about this already, in, in order to worship God together as a community regularly, it's necessary to set a weekly day of worship. Um, um, in the Old Testament, God chose Saturday. In the New Testament, he allows Christians to choose. It's not, it is free will, but it's not free will to salvation. It's, it's free will that we can that we can do these things in good order. Christians may choose any day of the week since all days have been sanctified, made holy by Christ. However, Christians chose Sunday because it was the day in which the Lord rose from the dead. So every Sunday, especially when we come to worship, we celebrate Easter all over again. In fact, I will, I will go further and say every day we celebrate Easter. Because every day we can say he is risen. Okay, every day he is. That's right. You know it. So um, that's what is commanded in the third, uh, in the third um, commandment. But what is forbidden? <laughs> Actually, I'm saying this. I'm saying this differently. Um, this was the controversy regarding the Sabbath and the worship. But what's forbidden in worship? As Luther says, neglecting what? Preaching and his word. That is what is, is uh, forbidden. Uh, we are not to neglect God's word, um, and we are not to neglect the word connected to the means in baptism and the bread and wine, the Lord's Supper. Um, in 
forgot to bring it in. I, don't, I had it somewhere. I think I left it out in the car, my, my Bible. So, um, but uh, looking at, uh, can someone look up uh, John chapter 8, verse 47? John chapter 8, verse 47. And go ahead and read for us, please. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Okay. And so um, and so Jesus is, in a little context here, who is Jesus speaking to? The stubborn Pharisees who do not accept him as the Messiah, who do not believe that he is the Son of God. Um, and so that that is who Jesus uh, is uh, speaking to. Uh, now, also in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, um, the Apostle Paul writes uh, that um, uh, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, capital D, the day drawing near. What's the day? Not today. What is the day? What is, what is, what is Paul referring to when you hear that? The great and glorious day of our Lord Jesus Christ. What day is that? Say it out loud. I'm hard of hearing. Judgment day. Christ's return. Okay. All right. Christ's return. Um, I would. I personally, I look. I, I I prefer rather than saying judgment day. I like to say when Christ returns because that is judgment day. But for the Christian, we're not looking forward to the judgment, are we? No, because we've already been judged in him. All right? You've already been judged. You're innocent. You are forgiven. You are clean. You are restored. You are reconciled. Okay? What are we looking forward to? To see him who ascended to heaven. And to be with him in his presence for all eternity. Um, but we can speak to perhaps our erring um, brother or sister or erring friend. Um, it is Judgment Day, and they will be held accountable uh, to their lack of faith, impenitence. So there is a, a reason or a time in which we can refer to it as Judgment Day, um, because we say it in the Creed, don't we? Uh, in, 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 in Christ's uh, exaltation, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Okay? Um, and so... Uh, there are three ways to neglect God's word. One, not going to church. Not going to church at all. That's one way of neglecting God's word. Um, the second way to neglect God's word is going infrequently. Going, but whenever you get the chance to. When it's convenient for you. What does this say about your priorities. If you go infrequently, is God important to you? Because sometimes we skip out because we made reservations to spend a day at Disney or to be at the beach or even when we're on vacation. It's my time. Repent. Every day belongs to the Lord. And we should, as commanded by God, worship him. 
when uh, my wife and when my wife and my uh, her children when we were uh, when we had children in the house many years ago uh, we would when we plan out a vacation we would plan off also where we went to church we would do that it's just what we did um, and so uh, the, I will say that this past year has been quite difficult and challenging especially since not because I was retired a year ago tomorrow okay um, but because of Hurricane Ian um, I mean our house was destroyed but God has provided for us all the way through uh, we got men at our house uh, helping and putting things back together and uh, so we look forward to when all is done and we can move back in out of the out of the RV and into our home again but all in good time because God is taking care of us but we why do we drive all the way up here? Why have my wife and I chosen Zion Lutheran Church all the way up here, 170 miles from our home in Port Charlotte? Why do we drive up to Winter Garden as often as we can? Because this is where we know that God's word is taught in its truth and purity and the sacraments are administered according to Christ's command. That's why. You mean there aren't other churches that do that? Oh, I wish there were. There are some, okay, there are some few, um, um, but this is where we have chosen to go, knowing that we will be nourished well. Um, and so, and, and again, that's a testament to the faithfulness of your pastor. Uh, and no wonder that we, we have so many other members of, of Zion Lutheran Church uh, who have sons as pastors or brothers as pastors or uh, or our retired pastors ourselves right Frank mm -hmm. and so um, and so uh, going infrequently is neglecting God's word and also this the third thing going but not paying attention not paying attention now we all fall into the habit sometimes especially when uh, you don't have stained glass on the windows you see a bird or a car pass by or a person walking their dog and your mind gets preoccupied or occupied with something instead of hearing the word seeing what is happening here not here but there in this in in, in the in the in the chancel area what the pastor is preaching what we are we are speaking back to god um, uh, we get distracted but if we go with the intention of not of pain uh, we if we go with the, in, with the intention of not paying attention, that is neglecting God's word. Now you know, now you know pastor is, he, has, he, he likes to give out a lot of analogies. And almost in everything he's given me, he's given me an analogy. I don't necessarily agree with all his analogies, <laughs> okay? Um, but I, I will read this one. Um, well, actually, let me, let me go back to the previous one because I'll, I'll change his a little bit. Um, about going frequently, uh, going infrequently, the, the analogy is, is that the, the wife prepares dinner for, for the husband each night. Um, this is his analogy, but uh, the husband sometimes goes and sometimes doesn't. If he doesn't go, he better have a good reason. My analogy, I think, is a, is a better one. Same thing, that the wife prepares dinner every night but sometimes the husband stops and gets McDonald's. And when he gets home, the wife says, I made you dinner. I, I already ate. 
And so what, what should he be doing? He should be what? Every night go home to his wife for the meal that she's preparing for him, just as we every Sunday or every day that we plan to go to worship God. We should worship him and him only, not Disney, not the beach, not vacations and things like that. Although those things are good, but there's a time and a place for everything. The other analogy about going but not paying attention, the, again, the husband takes his wife out on a date to dinner, but she's on the phone the entire time. She's not engaged in the conversation as we would not be engaged in the conversation with God because God is speaking to us and we respond to him with words that he already spoke to us. That's the liturgy. We speak back to God what God has already spoken to us, but we go to listen to the voice of the good shepherd. That's why we should go and pay attention and we should go as often as commanded. Um, and so what is required, what is commanded? Well, gladly hearing God's word. Um, gladly hearing and learning God's word. As we today in uh, the office of Matins, uh, after, the reading, uh, after the readings, especially after the, uh, uh, the gospel reading, um, uh, the pastor will say, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. And the congregation responds, Psalm 26, verse 8. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. You respond that three times, okay? God Father, God Son, God Holy Spirit, perhaps. I like to think in terms of the Trinity as often as possible. That's why in the divine service, especially setting three, when the pastor gives the ironic benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his counsel upon you and give you peace. And we respond singing, not one amen, not two, three. Because the ironic benediction is talking about the Trinity. Okay, The Lord bless you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord, right, keep you in his care. Well, and so we say, amen, amen, amen. Now, what is the purpose of the Sabbath? The purpose of the Sabbath, the day of rest, is not simply to abstain from work for the sake of itself, but to abstain from work that keeps you from going to church. You keep the third commandment not by how much you do or don't or, or how much you don't do, but you keep the commandment, the third commandment, you keep the holy day, you keep it holy by listening to what God does for you. And so the treasure, right? Pastor talks about the treasure in, in these commandments. The treasure, the treasures of this commandment is and always will be. God's word, because his word endures forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will endure forever. God wants to serve you. That's what divine service is. Divine, God, service to you. What's the German word? God, it stinks, right? God's service. 
You had a question. Correct. And so we all receive, we all have a spirit, but um, God gives us his spirit, okay? Uh, his spirit sanctifies, makes us alive, okay? In order that we can hear the truth. Who is the truth and the way and the life? The words, uh, the words of the man who spoke, um, um, Jesus, right? And so this is all God's will for you, that you listen and believe. Fourth commandment? Yes. Can I ask a question about the third commandment? Sure. So I noticed that with every other commandment except for the third commandment, we take the exact language given to us in Exodus, like you shall not murder mm -hmm. or you shall not have any gods, other gods before me, and we just take that as exactly what it says and what it means. Mm -hmm. But when we look at the third commandment, it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. But when we teach about this, we're not teaching. We're saying that it doesn't actually mean to actually just remember the day. Right, um, because in the Old Testament, which day was considered the Sabbath day? Saturday. Saturday, the seventh day. Okay, but who is the, and who is the Lord of the Sabbath? Jesus. Okay, is Jesus only the Lord of one day or all of them? All, all of them. Okay, so that's why that one day is now set aside, fulfilled in Christ, and we can worship Jesus, God, any day. Okay. That's what I mean about how the third commandment is not um, uh, in, in, its, um, uh, in its original intention given us in the New Testament, because Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Okay, It's like the ceremonial law that Pastor told you about. Jesus fulfilled all that. We don't need to be spilling out blood on the altar from bulls and goats. Okay, Christ spilled out his blood. All those sacrifices in the Old Testament was a shadow of the true sacrifice. For John the Baptist pointed it out to, 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 to everyone, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, Does that help you in understanding about the third commandment? In the, in the, now, God does command us to worship, as he did in the third commandment given to the Israelites. Okay, When he, when he wrote with his own finger, um, um, uh, on, on the tablets of stone, okay? Uh, you shall keep the, the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You know? um, and so, but the Sabbath day was appointed to one day, the day of rest, when, when God, after day six, rested from creating, okay? Um, Does that mean that the Jews didn't worship at all during the week that they didn't feel the need to or still don't? Do any kind of worshiping, acknowledging the Lord, anything on the rest of the days of the week? Well, when you look at the book of Genesis, you you see that that uh, God's people uh, did worship, but it was there wasn't an assigned day. Okay, uh, when for example, when Noah got off the ark, okay, what the, what was the first thing he did? He built an altar and worshipped God. Okay, which day was it? Nobody knows. Nobody. It doesn't matter. 
But when, when Moses went up on the mountain and God said, take off your shoes, please, okay, for the ground that you walk on is holy. And then he gave the, wrote himself, uh, God, um, the, the Ten Commandments. Then he specified which day you shall worship. The Sabbath day, the Sabbath rest, the seventh day, Saturday. Okay? All right? Does, does that help you? I was just curious because even to Jesus' time, the, the, the Sadducees and Pharisees, they were so religious. But did that mean they actually only worship on one day? Did they not go to the temple every day and worship? Or what? I don't know, I'm just curious. Well, the, the Pharisees, of course, uh, they were learned men, and, and so they were. Uh, they were in study a lot, okay? Um, it's like being in seminary all the time, all right? Which isn't a bad thing, okay? Um, but um, what is the purpose of uh, of the one who is being taught the scriptures? To share them. That others may come to know and believe in the one true God. Um, and so the Pharisees were keeping everything to themselves. And they were thinking that they were doing a good work and patting themselves on the back by doing these things. I mean, what did, uh, what did Jesus talk about uh, regarding them that they were, they have their reward, okay? Standing on soapboxes in the corner, uh, in, in, the, in the street, uh, talking about how great they are. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the parable with, uh, with uh, the Lazarus, not the Lazarus and the rich man, but uh, um, the Pharisee and the, uh, and, and, the, and the sinner in the temple. And, and the Pharisee beat his breast. I thank you, God, that I'm not like others, okay? Uh, for I give a tithe, and I fast, and I do this, and I do that. But I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like him, a tax collector. And then what did the tax collector, how did he present himself to God? He couldn't even lift his head to God because he is full of shame and guilt. And Jesus told those who were listening, he went home justified because he confessed his sin. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And so we all need to repent. We all need to, 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 to dis, disengage the log in our own eye before we go and take care of the, the speck that is in our brothers. Okay? We are to judge others, but let's take care of the log in our own eye first. Let us go before God, humble ourselves before God, and receive the mercy in which he desires to give forgiveness. Yes, Pastor. Um, one, one of the things in studying the law is to keep in mind is, and it's, Jesus especially did this in his earthly ministry, is helping his people to understand the spirit of the law and not just the letter of the law. As Pastor Press was mentioning, the, the Pharisees were good at the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. And I think that helps with the third commandment. Uh, the letter of the law says a specific day, the seventh day. Um, but the spirit of the law is to worship. And as Pastor mentioned, it all points to Christ. And the same same thing is true with the, the Jews. Um, in, in fulfilling the, the commandment, was not merely to worship on the seventh day, but if you, if you look in the scriptures, it speaks about um, the law, um, 
that's that's why Jews had outside their home, and some still do, um, if they're Orthodox Jews, morning and night when they when they enter in, when they come out, yeah. and that also was was worship. But I, I I've always found it helpful in teaching, especially the commandments, to emphasize the difference between the spirit of the law and the letter of the law, because. Take the fifth commandment. The letter of the law says you shall not murder. Well, we look at the letter of the law, none of us are going to say we've ever broken that commandment. But the spirit of the law, Jesus tells, I tell you anybody that uh, hates his brother is a murderer. And that's why this Sermon on the Mount is, is so special, which you heard a little bit. Because actually Jesus, in today's gospel, Jesus was kind of wrapping up um, the Sermon on the Mount, but he concludes really with uh, talking about... <clears throat> Um, uh, what is a wise man and a foolish man? What's the difference? Well, the wise man built his house on the rock. And, and, and he does say the rock, definite article. Not indefinite article, a rock, but the rock. Whereas the foolish man built his house on the sand. Okay? But before that, the, the Sermon on the Mount is really, well, it begins with the, with the Beatitudes. But then Jesus goes in to talk about the letter of the law. And Jesus doesn't make it easier. Jesus makes it impossible to keep it. Because the one who is speaking, Jesus, is the one who fulfills the law for you. But he makes it impossible. And so when it comes to, to worship, uh, we, we, we should give honor, glory, and thanks to God every day. That, that's why prayer is so important. And to whom we pray, to our triune God. Um, and so the first table of the law uh, is important. And we are to love God, as the first commandment says, with, with, uh, uh, with all of our heart, soul, strength, and man, uh, all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. But the second table begins with the fourth commandment. Uh, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and you may live long on the earth. Yes, this is a, the only commandment with a promise, right? The only commandment with a promise. The chief commandment of the first table of the law is the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. The chief commandment of the second table is the fourth commandment, that you are to honor your father and your mother. God considers this the most important commandment in regards to the relationship between your neighbor. Okay? Uh, the chief commandment, of course, our relationship with God is the first commandment. But the, but, the, uh, but the most important commandment regarding our neighbor is the fourth commandment. For father and mother is your earliest and first neighbor. Now, at that time, you might have had, didn't know it at the time, but you might have had an older brother or sister who was also your first neighbor as well. But we have many other neighbors throughout the course of our life. Friends, schoolmates, co-workers. I mean, the list is, is uh, uh, innumerable. Um, and, and it goes on and it may be added every day. Uh, you, uh, someone who walks through the, the church doors for the first time that could be not your best friend. That is your neighbor. And so you should greet that person. Get to know that person. 
It might cost you a dollar or two by inviting them out to lunch. There are three estates of authority. There's home, church, and there's state. Father and mother are over the children. But regarding husband and wife, who is over who? According to Ephesians chapter 5. Is wife over husband? No. I mean, when we go back to Genesis, uh, we learn that uh, that it was not good for man to be alone. We'll talk about more of that in the in the sixth commandment. But that God provided Adam with a helper, help someone like him. But because of order of creation, the husband is over the wife, not as lording it over her, but working together. Okay. Um, we'll talk more about this in in the sixth commandment. Um, but that's the the, the thing about. Um, the authority in the, house, in the home. Uh, father and mother are over the children, whether you like it or not, okay? Um, but the husband is um, authority over the wife. Uh, with regard to the church, what's the order of authority there? We have the church council, we have the board of elders, we have the pastor. No. We have the pastor. Because the church council and the board of elders, um, uh, whatever other committees that there may be, the altar guild and even the ladies guild, um, uh, they have no divine authority. The office of the holy ministry is, a, is the only divinely instituted office, and that office is given to the church to give to the pastor. Okay? Because the church can't all come up here and conduct the services, administer the means of grace. But a man called by God, sent by God, does that. And so the authority in the church, pastor, congregation. Yes? I think it's also important to note that if the church has a school, the pastor is still the one that oversees that. Yeah, there may be a headmaster in the church uh, at the school level, um, but it is the pastor. Who, who is the overseer, using a, a Greek term in the New Testament, is the overseer of this kingdom on earth in this local congregation. Because the school is always an extension of the ministry of the church. Uh, the school doesn't become a ministry in and of itself. It's a ministry of the gospel, which comes from the church, which is preached by the pastor and overseen by the pastor. But only according to God's commands, okay? The pastor can't just do whatever he wants, okay? There's order just in the home. The husband can't do whatever he wants because there's consequences. And so a pastor can't do whatever he wants because there's consequences. There must be good, godly order in the home, in the church. But what about the state? In the United States of America, who has the, the authority? President. Huh? The president. The president. Okay. Now, in the in the, of course, the president isn't uh, isn't a uh, a tyrant, or uh, it isn't set up that uh, that uh, uh, whatever he says he could do. Although it seems like that has been happening more frequently, um, but 
uh, the, uh, our, our founding fathers set up uh, our, the government, the state, with, uh, with uh, the, the, the three branches of government, okay? All right? It's called for checks and balances, okay? We, uh, we, of course, have the Congress, and they make the law. We have the Supreme Court. They, uh, they uh, interpret the law. But we have the legislative um, the le um, office, which is the office of the president. They are to enforce the law, okay? The president over the citizens, the police over the citizen, teacher over the student, the church and the home depend upon the home. Mitch? I was just going to say all these things, you know, where being pastor, father, mother, government, and all these things, there's one caveat there that as long as they're not going contrary to the word of God. Yes. So if you've got a pastor that's preaching heresy, if you've got parents that's telling you, I don't, you're not going to church, you know, God is a fake or whatever. You know, in the Bible, it also speaks about father against son, mother against mm -hmm. you know, daughter. And so, you know, sometimes that's a tough decision to make, but if they're going to be against, you know, what your what God says, then you got to put that first. Or even if the government says this is the law, you can't follow the law because, you know, going contrary to the word of God. If the, if the law of the home, if the law of the church, or the law of the state are contrary to God's word, which do you follow? God's word. Okay. Um, and so um, it's important. Thank you, Mitch, for, for bringing that up, uh, that um, all must be done in order according to God's uh, uh, word. Uh, we, we don't have the freedom to, to uh, make laws that are contrary to God's word, although we know that our state has. Uh, we know that our government has. We also know that some churches have and continue to do that. We know that even local congregations do um, do things contrary to God's word. We know that fathers and mothers and children do things contrary to God's word with no regard to what God's word has to say. They ignore. Going back to the third commandment, neglecting God's word. Okay. Um, James says very clearly that in breaking one, uh, one letter of the law, you break all of them. Okay, but we could see how some of these breaking of one law uh, is connected to another uh, very directly. Uh, so, um, what's the, what's what's forbidden uh, in the fourth commandment? Despising or disobeying our parents and all other authorities. That's what is forbidden. Um, uh, Peter writes in, in his first letter, chapter 2, verse 17, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Okay, The king in that case is, when I'm talking about Peter, wasn't referring to him, although we, we might want to think about, um, but uh, uh, honor the king was, uh, um, would be in reference to uh, I mean, Peter wrote his letter, and were there kings in his day? Of course there were. I mean, there are kings in our day, but the king in his, um, uh, that he was under, was who? Caesar, right? And what did the, uh, 
what what did the people cry out? What did the Pharisees cry out? We have no king but Yeah. When Jesus was put on trial uh, before Pilate. Doesn't um, that mean that you doesn't that mean that you 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 may not necessarily agree with the king or the president or other, but you respect the position and the office? Yeah, honor honor the office. Honor okay. The you office. don't have to like the person. Yes. Um, okay. uh, but you should honor the office. Okay, uh, and it goes even uh, with the with the at, uh, not only at the state level but also at the church level and also at the home level. Okay, you may have a pastor that is a fall down drunk. Okay, but you don't hate the office. Okay, you actually love the pastor and get him help. Okay, same thing with a father. He he abuses his wife and children. Okay, that doesn't mean that you dishonor the office of father. But you get the man, you correct that man, you get him some help, you, you find some protection for his wife and children. Um, because that's what the fifth command would have you do, right? Um, which we're going to get into right now. There are, with regard to the fourth, except, uh, with the fourth commandment, there are exceptions which we've been talking about. Uh, we disobey the authorities when they command us to sin. Um, what did Peter say um, to the authorities in Acts chapter 5? He said, we must obey God rather than men. Um, there's an example here that Pastor gave me here, the government mandating churches to close during COVID. Um, I never closed, nor would I close. When my congregational president called me and says, are you closing? I said, absolutely not. Never. Well, that's what the, you know, the government may tell you to do that. Well, I don't listen to the government because God, God has, has called me to conduct worship services. I'm not closing. Now, we put out the announcements, only 10 could be worshiping at a time, blah, blah, blah. But you know what happened on Easter Sunday? And I had some people, what are we going to do when we have, let them in? Let them in. They're here to worship. Well, what if there's police outside? They're there to do their job, and I'm here to do mine. And people are coming to hear the word of God. And so, whatever the consequence, I'd be glad to go to prison or to jail for doing what God has called me to do. God said, go to church. That's what he said. The government said, don't. Who do we listen to? Um, what does God require? What does God command in the fourth commandment? Honoring parents, honoring authorities as God's representatives, okay? As God's representatives. You could go to Romans chapter 13 and, and Paul very clearly, God inspired uh, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write that that we are to what with regard to state and government we honor them okay um, but where they err uh, we are not to obey them the, even if that means going to prison yes even if that means going to prison um, and and many of us may be closer to that 
than we were yesterday. Now, the treasure of the fourth commandment, uh, as I spoke earlier, had to do with the promise. Okay, The treasure of this commandment is your father and mother. God chose your exact parents for you. He designed no other parent for you but your mother and father. The treasure is the order and the structure that God created. Adam and Eve, and then the rest of creation, humankind, right? All right. Um, Adam was the first man, but Eve is the mother of all mankind, right? Luther says that. Now, the fifth commandment, you shall not murder. And I know that pastor has... Uh, has talked a lot about this um, in previous classes with regard to you know the difference between the word kill and the word murder. Okay, I believe he uh, used um, the example of uh, the son of Sam. Was it son of Sam that he used? No, who was uh, Ted Bundy? Ted Bundy, and uh, uh, he was an, a, a serial killer. Pastor kept on saying he was a serial murderer because there's a difference between killing. And murder. Murder is the the taking, um, uh, the destroying of human life. That's murder. Okay. Um, killing uh, can be uh, can be justified. Uh, for example, such as war. Okay. Um, uh, we have a son that's in the military and he served uh, 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 during the war. And although he wasn't directly on the battlefield because he was in the navy, he was nevertheless on a battleship. Okay, and so he was arming planes with uh, with missiles and bombs and so forth, and so he knew that those bombs and those missiles weren't going to come for people. They're going to kill, kill, not murder, kill. Um, there's also what we have. What um, in some states there's what do we call it? Well, no, not self-defense. The government has um, had, has this law. If you take the life of someone, then you can call capital punishment, right? Not every state has capital punishment, but capital punishment is used as a deterrent that um, in, this, in the, much the same way that the first use of the law is, is done to prevent you from, call, from causing all kinds, kinds, uh, kinds of uh, chaos and sin, um, and thus you receive the consequence of that, which... What's the consequence for sin according to God's word? Death. Death. Um, and so murder is, is destroying someone else. And uh, there's, uh, in a small catechism, uh, there's three areas in which um, we, we read about in the small catechism. The first has to do with abortion. Abortion is the killing of another human being, whether it's at 18 days old or uh, 36 weeks. It is the killing of another human being. Who created that uh, that uh, that child in the womb? God did. You know, one of the best places to turn to 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 talk and to lovingly talk to someone who may have a um, a pro-abortion uh, view versus a pro-life view. Uh, is Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts. 
You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. This is the Hebrew idiom for the womb. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Beautiful words that we hear in God's word. And then Job also says that you clothed me with skin and flesh. You knit me together with bones and sinews. You have granted me life and steadfast love. Abortion is murder, even in the case of rape. As hard as that is to accept at times, rape and incest, in times of, uh, it's still murder. This is because what's in the womb is a human, even in the case of rape. A woman's desire doesn't make someone human or not human. Life is an objective reality from God. Life is a gift from God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. The other thing that uh, we learn about is about suicide. Uh, and this is a very uh, dangerous and, and uh, um, very serious matter as well. Rather than letting God number our days, we, we number them ourselves. Okay? This is, this is uh, a person who commits suicide or even thinks of committing suicide is making himself God. I'm going to determine the days of my life, not God. What I just read about God has granted me life and steadfast love, and he has formed me every one of the days of my life, even before they have come into being. God knows all that. He doesn't know only the, all the hairs on your head, but he knows all the days of your life. And he well provides for every one of them. Even in your darkest hour, God provides. Um, suicide is selfish because it seeks a best solution for the individual. Um, it, you know, that's the very thing that my father said after my brother committed suicide. It's, it is a temporary, it is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Whatever the problem that you may be facing, okay, losing a job, losing a spouse, losing a child, whatever broken relationship, you will never lose him. And that's the one relationship you want to cling to, to hold on to. Because he died, you live. You get to live forever. Um, <clears throat> thanks for bringing that up. Um, there's another thing called euthanasia or slow suicide. This was uh, unfortunate. Um, uh, it's been around for a while, a long time, actually. Um, there was a doctor in Michigan. His name is Dr. Jack Kevorkian. And uh, he would go around and help with assisted suicide. You know, it was a slow death, a painless death. Um, 
And back in the 1960s and 70s, when this became a practice, and, and you know they were saying he's a murderer, they were right. But you know what? They made a movie about him and glorified him and praised him not too long ago, probably about 10 or so years ago. They held him up at uh, some uh, film awards banquet or something like that. I don't know if it was the Academy Awards, but they praised him, glorified him, um, and that's wrong. But you see how our world has turned around and so quickly. Yes, Mitch. That shows you, you know, the, what happens when you go down that road, just to our north Canada. I mean, they're putting pastors in prison for hate speech that they talk about, you know, uh, homosexuality. They want to force you to marry, same-sex marry, whatever. There's a big thing that I saw not too long ago where now the big thing in Canada is you can go to this place and have this service, have your loved ones there. You know that this one lady was having her loving granddaughter there, and they put you to sleep. You pay less. They, they say it's a lot cheaper than you know a funeral and all this kind of stuff. And it, it's you know I mean it's, it's legal and, and it's becoming an epidemic. I mean there are thousands of people that are doing this. Stuff. Yes, right. So they pr pretty much have just thrown you know the sanctity of life out the window. And so why wouldn't it lead to that? I mean. It's almost like anything goes. Forget about the word of God, or it's not important. There was, um, I forget what year, but maybe 15, 18, 20 years ago, uh, Terry Schiavo. Anybody remember Terry Schiavo? Okay. Um, and so uh, the parents, you know, were caring for her, loving her, and and uh, 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 but her husband wanted, and he went to court to have the judge you know, pull the feeding tube uh, from her. Uh, because in his eyes, uh, her quality of life was not what he thought it should be. But his parents, I mean, uh, Terry's, Terry Shadow's parents wanted uh, to take care of him for the husband to, um, to give all consent to, to them. But he wouldn't because then he wouldn't cash in on the life insurance policy. Um, the judge ordered her, uh, uh, was in favor of the, um, of the husband. The plug was pulled. And of course, what are you gonna, what's going to happen to a person that is very much alive? What's going to happen to them when you take their feeding tube from them? A slow death, painful. They're going to starve. Okay? Yes. Because basically they're putting themselves, I would look at it, they're putting themselves in the hands of God rather than in the hands of doctors who are appointed by God to treat them. So, you know what I'm saying? There's, a, there's something going on there that I'm just trying to try to understand a little bit. Uh, when you do something like that, if you say, these doctors who uh, put in my life treat me, I'm saying now I don't want them to do that. I'm going to leave it in God's hands and just let it go. Um, that's what people think. That's how they rationalize. Uh, I'm going to uh, just quickly <clears throat> respond to that and say no. Every life and death situation is different, okay? 
And when you're, especially when you're dealing with disease, all right, there is no right or wrong answer. A person who, who decides, I'm no longer going to go through treatment, is not refusing to live. They're refusing the treatment that they may be adverse to, okay? They may have taken treatment for years, but, you know, and, and then cancer went into remission, then it comes back, and it, I don't want to go through that again. I just want to live out the rest of my days according to his design. Um, I'm not trying to uh, hurry to death, and by taking the medicine or going through treatment, I'm not trying to avoid death, but I'll put it in his hands to determine when my last hour comes, okay? So especially with life or death, there is no right or wrong. Pray about it. Seek counsel regarding it. Never decide alone. When my mother, uh, she had been on uh, dialysis for a number of years, and she decided that she was done with it. She's not gonna do, the, do it any longer. Um, uh, it hurt us pretty bad. My mother at the time was only 63. And because of her health, uh, uh, because of her health history, which was very poor, uh, the doctor said it would be quick. And my dad asked, well, um, how quick? Well, given her history, it'd be three, four weeks. And so I was serving in Southern Illinois, so I would drive every Monday up to Chicago and visit my mom. And I did that for the next seven months because it was according to God's time, not my mother's, not the doctor's, not anybody else's, but according to God's time. My mother did get to see another birthday. She lived to be 64. And some would say, well, that's not really living. Well, tell that to me, her son. Because every time I went up there to visit her, I was glad to see her. Even the day when I walked in and she couldn't respond any longer. That's my mom. And when the time did come for her to be called home, I rejoiced because I asked my Roman Catholic mother, Mom, who's your savior? And she looked at me like no, like no mother can and said, Jimmy, you know it's Jesus. Okay, Mom, that's all I need to know. I did the same thing. Given your expertise, would I have if I chose not to do any kind of chemotherapy? Because chemotherapy the first time was nasty. Um, she told me 18 months. She said her best judgment was 18 months. It, it was that scary. That, that's just horrifically scary. And at the time, I had another grand girl coming. It is, and and, and and decisions such as these should uh, one should seek counsel. Okay, um, I mentioned to speak to your doctor, speak to your family, speak to your pastor, pray to God, speak to Him. He loves to hear the voice of His children, 
And he will provide you with an answer that your conscience will be set clear, knowing that whatever that decision is, it's his. It's God's will. Not the doctor's. Not the family. Not the pastor's. But God's will. Yes. Yeah, there's no no amount of medicine, uh, no amount of morphine, uh, no treatment, nothing on earth uh, that can uh, uh, persuade God uh, not to do his will, especially in the life of of his children. Um, He determines the beginning. He determines the end. Keep it in his hands as sensitive uh, as as uh, uh, and and uh, important as life and death uh, situations are. Um, I know I'm getting over uh, time here. Um, I had been asked. I, I do want to finish up uh, with uh, what's forbidden. Um, oh, they're, they're, they talked about the exceptions with regard to the um, the fifth commandment: "You shall not murder." Um, murder is putting someone um, to death unjustly, while killing is putting someone to death justly, uh, such as in self-defense, capital punishment, um, uh, or war. Um, what God uh, commands, what, what uh, I'm sorry, what he forbids, uh, the murdering of others, the hurting of others in word, thought, or deed. Um, and uh, of course, um, when Jesus says about hating others, um, whoever hates his brother, as John writes in 1 John 3, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And so what does God require? To help and support our neighbor in every bodily need. That is what is required. That is what is commanded. To help and support our neighbor in every physical bodily need. The treasure, of course, is God wants you to treasure your neighbor. The people that God puts in your life are precious and important. Otherwise, God would not put them before you. Um, Pastor did did ask me to especially go through commandments 6 and 7. But guess who's not going to go through them? (laughs) And I enjoy doing uh, especially the 6th commandment. especially when uh, teaching uh, younger uh, kids uh, because younger kids are, are um, put uh, in their heads and their minds that, you know, um, sex is okay because everyone else is doing it, okay? Uh, it's not okay because God forbids it, all right? Um, a, 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 a sexual intimacy is reserved for two people in one union, husband and wife. That's when God permits it, okay? And it is a joy. 
a true joy, not only for procreation, but enjoyment between husband and wife. And adultery is anything outside of that, whether you're married or not. If you're single and and you're in an intimate relationship, you are committing adultery. If you're married and are sleeping with someone who's not your spouse, you've committed adultery. But I will say this, as Jesus says, but even if you were to lust after someone who is not your spouse, you've committed adultery. And so this is indeed a sin, a breaking of the sixth commandment that a lot of us would think that, oh, I've never done that. You've thought, you've seen, um, enough is said, repent. Um, I I remember in a class, an adult class, a man had asked, because where I served at the Redeemer in Inglewood, we were very close to the beach. Well, Pastor, this is impossible. We We live here in Inglewood, and on the beach, people are walking around half naked. What am I to do? I said, you are to, you know, one of the things I learned in, in child care was that uh, when two little um, toddlers are fighting, you are to redirect them, okay? Redirect, you, you can't redirect them that way, okay? Um, you get in trouble that, you know, um, so you need to direct them. Oh, Tom, you look at the blocks over there, you can play with Jimmy, go over there and, you know, take care of them. And so you redirect them. And so I used that uh, with the, the, the question that the man says, you know, so on a vision, I see this, you know, lady wearing the skimpy bikini, what am I to do? He said, I said, look out into the ocean. Look out at God's creation and pray. Pray, God, you know my thoughts, where they're directed. You know, remove them from, from my mind. Uh, and then after about three seconds of praying, you're going to wonder, where is she now? And you're going to look, and she's gone. God took care of I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying... You know, because we always want to turn back. But what does what does what did John what did the prophets all say? What did what did John the Baptist say? What did Jesus himself say? What does every pastor or what should every pastor say? Repent. That is, uh, and of course, repent are, are two two Greek words uh, put together. Metanoia. Okay. Um, change mind. That's what it means. That's what repent means. Because um, what does Jesus says that comes out of the heart? Filth. Um, where's that root of the brain? You're thinking it, and you know if it's a thought, and you you don't want to put it into words or action, and so you repent. You change your mind. Change change your mind of the things of the world, and change your things of God. You belong to him. There's no better, th- no better, nothing better to think about than the wonderful gifts God has given you in a husband, in a wife, in your children, in your employment, in your neighbors, in the state and the, and, and, the, and the nation in which you live, in the world in which he has created. Give thanks to God for all his many blessings. Amen.